Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. Hello everyone, I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. Fellas, how are we doing today on this very hot Wednesday? So far so good. Honestly, just trying to stay as cool as possible. Slowly, it feels like the weather in Texas is getting cooler by one degree each day. So (laughs) hoping that it just continues to get cooler, but no, so far doing well. Finally over hump day and now tonight with the show, super excited, so... I'm just happy to be on the air, guys. That's that's all. I'm I'm just happy to be here. Just happy to just get this train a rolling. It's it's a it's fun to be back in the studio and fun uh, to be back hanging out with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So today in today's episode, we're going to be talking about TCU football and their matchup against Colorado. We'll also be talking about their matchup uh, this weekend against Nichols State, and we'll also be talking about college football week one recap in the first hour, and then in the second hour. We'll have talk about NFL Week 1 and the NL wildcard race and Texas Rangers baseball. And then the final segment will be something fun, just something personal. So looking forward to that. But first, we will talk about TCU football. And boy, were our score predictions way off. TCU suffered a 45-42 loss at the hands of Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes on Big Noon Kickoff, where millions of people were watching. And we were in attendance in the student section, and let's just say it wasn't a very pleased, very happy TCU fan base at the end of this. Tough loss overall, but Ian, uh, we'll start with you. Oh, man. You just ruined the song for me, man. (laughs) I love this song, Simon Uh, and Garfunkel. Yeah, that... Seth, that is definitely how I felt after after that loss. It was tough, you know. Looking forward to a new season, only to lose to Dion. Should we just have this in the background the entire time? Well, no, <laughs> kill it. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we're past it. Yeah, but w- w- we will talk about this game a little bit, Ian. Uh, let's just turn it over to you. What were your quick thoughts uh, about this game against Colorado? Well, before I give my quick thoughts, I have something here, a little piece of paper. Okay. Let's just say mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Okay. We gave our predictions last week. We got them fed right back into our mouths from Colorado. It was tough for us, obviously, as fans. And just bringing back the receipts, we'll be completely honest here. I said 31-17 TCU. Seth Seth said 35-17 TCU. And Zion said 38-13 TCU. It's fair to say mistakes were made. Yeah. Right? Hey, you can't get them all. That <laughs> we got none of them. Yeah, we we got none of them, and I think it wasn't even. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, we completely underestimated Colorado. I think the whole nation did, though. To be fair. Yeah, and and again, I think you know, just I guess slowly getting into the game, right, and and some of that talk, it's. It's tough because as a fan base, you know, we were so excited, not just us, but everyone here that's a TCU supporter and also for just college football. I mean, seeing Deion Sanders coming into Fort Worth is exciting, but you did not expect that type of performance from him and his son Shadur Sanders. I mean, 
they took the whole nation by complete surprise, aside from everyone in that Colorado Buffaloes football team camp, right? Obviously, everyone in that team knew exactly what they were capable of, except for the rest of the nation. And I mean, credit to them. Kudos to, to them. They game plan properly. They came into TCU and beat a team that was in the national championship back in January, and they they, they, they just played a phenomenal game. So, Yeah, it was, uh, I mean... You said it. This was totally unexpected, at least from our point of view. Uh, they came in and punched TCU in the mouth right away. Uh, kudos to the Frogs. They, you know, at least on the offensive side in the second half, were willing to just go punch for punch right there until the very end. Uh, but uh, we'll get into it. Concerns. Uh, there's some. There's some red flags, at least uh, uh, for parts of TCU performance. Uh, not going into the game against Nickel State necessarily, but. Uh, when Houston and SMU are on the schedule up next, it, there's some, there's some, there's some things that you know TCU's really going to have to improve on, and most of those come on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, there were a lot of problems on the defensive end, and we saw some TCU players sort of take accountability. Ian and I went to the presser on Tuesday, and. Johnny Hodges was fired up about how poor the TCU defense played. Of course, defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie's been scrutinized a lot in the TCU community of, you know, with how poorly I guess the defense has been, but Johnny Hodges took a lot of the blame and felt that the players were given, you know, the tools to execute on defense and did not execute to the way Joe Gillespie wanted them to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, Johnny took full ownership, and I mean, that's expe- that it's it's exactly what I expect someone like Johnny Hodges to do. I mean, he's a very disciplined player, um, and as a person off the field, and I mean, he took full responsibility for it, and not pushing himself away from the fact of the of the poor performance, but just embracing it and saying, look, we need to do better. And I mean, again, just going back to what he said, he he really said that, look, we made our defensive coordinator look awful. And and here, you know, I mean, we've 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 got a clip. Let's let's just play that one right now. Um, I guess you could say it's a wake up call. Uh, I don't know how losing in the national championship by 60 isn't a wake up call. But uh, right now we're, we're definitely the laughing stock of college football, having 22 missed tackles. Um, having who knows how many missed assignments, making our defensive coordinator look awful, just making his defense look like it's a childhood kid's defense and him getting all this slack. So uh, if it's not a wake-up call, then I don't know what it is. So, so yeah, I mean, right right there, it, it pretty much sums up how Johnny Hodges felt about the day. And, I mean, that pressure was on Tuesday, and he, he even told everyone in the room that, look, the energy – and the effort has been better since that loss on Saturday, but obviously it needed to be there on Saturday. And I mean, even Sonny Dyke said, it's like, look, you need to be the more excited team to come out and play and win. And it seemed like Colorado was that. And again, I think, you know, you're, 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 it, it could be a bit of, you know, TCU being an inexperienced team coming off of what, what was such a magical and great season and kind of coming into this one slightly overconfident. So. Yeah. I mean, they hung up the 2022 college football playoff uh, banner they unveiled that b- before the or no it was during the game I believe it was during the game and you know there were definitely I think a lot of TCU fans were really excited and you know ready to go and and first this I just want to say this there were some uh, fans of curtain of some college programs I won't name them but you can imagine some of our rivals thought it was silly that we 
you know, unveiled that 2022 college football playoff because they're like, oh, you're just giving out participation trophies. And I'm sorry, when can you tell me another team in Texas that made the college football playoff? I'll, I'll be sitting here waiting because it's going to there, – there was none. TCU was the first college team in Texas to make the college football playoff. And that is a remarkable achievement. So basketball programs can put up Final Four appearances even if they don't win. Or you could put up College World Series appearances even though you don't win and that's okay. But when TCU talks about us making the college football playoff, that's a problem. That I think that's so weird that they were so like mad about or not mad about it. They're just like making fun of it. Like, okay. If it's so easy, then where have y'all where have y'all been the last few years? You can always count on Zion to go on his little soapbox at one point during the show. Yeah, that, exactly. That, just to deviate from deviate from the conversation. You know what? Nah, we're gonna point the finger at you, Texas. We're gonna point the finger at you. This is your fault. And I'm not even. It's not even Texas. It's just like other. There were a bunch of other you know fans of programs that were talking about that, and I was like, okay. Back off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all didn't make it there. Anyways. Yeah. Back to the game. Back uh, to the game. I, I just want to talk about Colorado a bit here. Um, man, what a what an impressive performance. What a, I mean, you said it, Ian, and Sonny said it too. Everyone said it. Colorado came out there, and they embraced the energy that they were walking into. They embraced that big new kickoff was there. They embraced that TCU was setting a attendance record. Uh, and, and they came in there and they showed out. Dion uh, and his squad walked the walk and they talked, they backed up everything that they were saying um, in the off season. You know, you remember, do y'all remember when Dion first got there? He did his first little uh, introduction meeting with the team and he said, I'm bringing my Louie with me. And his Louie showed out. You know, Travis Hunter is a dude. Uh, Travis Hunter, in the words of Deion Sanders, the Heisman is going to be waiting at the crib for him if he continues to play the way he played on on Saturday. I mean, it was ridiculous. He was out there. He played over 100 snaps combined, both on offense and defense, had a pick, um, caught over 100 uh, yards receiving. Just absurd. And then his son, Shadur Sanders, um, over 500 yards passing. It was the first time in Colorado history that a quarterback had thrown over 500 yards. Just in, in your first, what a statement win for a program that, you know, was, you know, like us. I remember everyone in this room doubted what they were going to bring to the table. And they completely, you know, proved me wrong. They proved y'all wrong, I'm pretty safe on saying. And I think they proved a lot of people uh, here in Fort Worth wrong. Yeah, I mean, they they really stood out to me. I think what Shadur Sanders, the throws that he was making, I mean, he made it look so effortless. It was pretty remarkable to see after the game, during the game, it was pretty agonizing to just see him make play after play after play. But they came in with a game plan and they executed it perfectly. And like you said, Seth, I mean, Travis Hunter, that's one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen in a football game college or NFL period I mean this dude was all over the field and you know now that picks a question like is he a better wide receiver or a better cornerback I I think he's a better corner but he's also just as remarkable at the wide receiver position and he made so many critical plays it was truly unbelievable to watch and we, I think Travis Hunter is the Shohei Otani of football. It's it's pretty amazing. And, you know, of course, all the attention was on Dion. You know, he 
and of course, you know, because of his who he is and you know what he's able to do, and the fact that he's able to turn a one-win team, they're now ranked number twenty-two. That that could hold, that could not throughout the season. We'll see, but I think it wasn't. You know, TCU definitely didn't play their best game, but Colorado is no slouch. And I apologize. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize for underestimating Colorado because they deserve a lot of credit. And I'm sure their fans are so excited. I mean, we talked to a few fans. It's This is a big moment for Colorado football. And, you know, this is a turning point, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and TCU didn't play a very good game, as you just said, Zion. But the game was very much there for the taking, should TCU have wanted it. Uh, 17 points were left on the table, two uh, interceptions inside the five-yard line for Chandler Morris, and then a, a missed field goal by uh, Griffin Kell. Uh, so the, the game was won and lost, or won for Colorado and lost for TCU, uh, you could say, in those moments, right? If Griffin Kell makes that field goal, we're probably going to overtime, or maybe the game, you know, kind of lines up a different way. Uh, just a lot of, but but you can't, you can't build an argument for, hey, TCU was the better team because of those facts. TCU was not the better team on Saturday afternoon. Colorado uh, could not be stopped. They, they whooped TCU down the field, left, right, and center. It was a really good performance, uh, and, and Colorado executed their game plan to perfection. I mean, they weren't doing a lot of stuff that was revolutionary. I mean, that first those first couple of drives, just a lot of you know, throws short of the short of the chains, and then it was just run after the catch, run after the catch, run after the catch. Uh, for how good Shadur Sanders was, and he was very good, the the throws were there. The throws were there for him to make. He never really had to make um, the the spectacular throws, but whenever he had to, he did. Yeah, and and I guess just talking about the TCU defense a little bit, and just kind of. I guess shedding the light on something that obviously did not perform to its best ability because we've seen the TCU defense perform at its best ability and it was nowhere close on Saturday. But one thing that I think was frustrating, at least just from a neutral from 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 the TCU point of view, was just the lack of pressure on Shadur Sanders. And again, this isn't to take anything away from Sanders, but or I mean, obviously he was so comfortable in the pocket, but he had zero pressure on him. And the times that we did pressure him, I mean, it was the Jamoy Hodge late hit that cost us 15 yards. And that was, you know, three to four seconds after the pass. And he just nailed him. Right. And so I think this that was one of the biggest problems. And I mean, it's it's not some revolutionary idea that if you don't have pressure on the pocket as a defensive line, you are not going to be successful. Right. But then if you don't get that pressure on Shador Sanders, he gets time. It's hard for the corners to then mark their their players and make their assignments for however long Shadur can stay in that pocket and then after that when Shadur drops it off and there's green space in front of a guy who caught it five yards off the line of scrimmage it took a while for those linebackers for the linebackers from TCU to get back into position and make the plays that we've seen them make all of last season yeah D winners was not there D winners was that guy who was you know filling the holes uh on for, for the run game and then if there was that kind of pass he was the guy who was flying to the ball and, and making the tackle uh and there was that, that quickness was lacking but i i think though and you know johnny harris talked about it he's one of those people in that linebacker room i think that what and this could be kind of a blessing in disguise as i kind of try and flip this to you know how this you know this loss we can kind of 
look at it with a glass half full if that's even possible. It's always, in my opinion, good, especially in a season that is as long as the college football season and is, uh, you know, coming off a year where TCU, you know, exceeded expectations, but now there is kind of a bar. Uh, it's kind of nice that these kind of pro- these problems were revealed early on, and now the coaching staff, it's now their job to fix it, right? You have 11 more games. This is it's this didn't happen in week 11. This happened in week 1. So now you can go and fix it. You know, Nickel State is a great opportunity which we'll get into a little bit later to go out there and, you know, just troubleshoot some stuff and then going into your first Big 12 game against Houston on the road on a Saturday night in Houston, you have an opportunity to to build on a, a Nickel State game where you potentially were fixing some things. Yeah, and, and in terms of, you know, I guess this loss and kind of the idea that, look, this loss, and please please don't read too much into what I'm saying here, but this loss I feel like couldn't have come at a worse time, obviously, but it's also, there's probably no better time to get this type of loss either. If you start your season off on the back foot like this, getting absolutely punched in the mouth, a couple teeth getting knocked out, and you coming away from, from the mat all bloody— this is what TCU needed, and whether or not the team was fully confident and overconfident coming in as a whole or not, you need this as a team that came off is coming off of the back of a great season, but still needs a reality check. And with 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 Sonny Dykes there and his coaching staff, I, I I have no doubt in my mind that he's already established and instilled in these players that this is never going to happen again under his watch. That's for certain. And I, again, I just have no doubt that he's going to be able to, ju- to just turn this around. Yeah, I think TCU will be fine. And Seth actually made this point earlier today. We were talking about it and how this doesn't really affect the, the grand scheme of things as far as competing for the Big 12 title. You know, Owen, we're in the same exact spot as... Uh, you, know, you have the same odds of winning the Big 12 championship today as you yep. did at 10.59 p.m., 10.59 uh, a.m. on Saturday morning. Yeah, so that's there's that, and and there's certainly plenty of time to bounce back, as Josh Newton alluded to. There's plenty of game left, you know, plenty of season left. But yeah, I did want to talk about some players that really stood out to me. Now, I'm a I'm a big time Jared Wiley fan. I think we all are. Okay, you know, before this in the last episode, I talked about uh, how I was hoping, you know, expecting a big breakout season for Jared Wiley. And he did have six catches for a touchdown, which was a remarkable grab. And he even uh, pushed in Trey Sanders with a nice with a nice block from behind, pushed him into the end zone. So he had a pretty good game. Sonny did say, you know, he could work on blocking a little bit, and you know that that's fine. But as in the passing game, he's definitely I think Chandler Morris's security blanket, kind of his go-to guy. And I was really pleased with how he played overall. The running game was obviously tremendous. Imani Bailey and Trey Sanders, you know, we lost we lost Imari Di Mercado and Kendra Miller last season, and a lot of people were wondering what was going to happen with the running game. And these two guys stepped up big time, and the offensive line gave them plenty of holes to run through. And I was really pleased without the run. You know, Trey Sanders is very physical, very physical back. Imani Bailey has the speed, and that really pleased me and I'm, I'm hoping to see more of that moving forward yeah and and I mean again just to wrap it up here right I mean this is a this is the worst way that TCU ever could have started this season off with all the expectations coming in off the back of last season this is the last thing you want especially to lose to a Colorado team that went one and 11 last year 
but that's how fate just happens, right? I mean, and, and again, just going back and hitting that final point home is that I think this will turn around for TCU and really be the catalyst for them going forward is getting punched on the mouth so early. But that was our kind of debrief on this kind of depressing, sad, unfortunate call, uh, loss to Colorado. But when we come back here on KTCU, we'll discuss some of the other top college football games from week one. But you're listening here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. Meet Designated Dave. Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs to ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Dave! Hey, Amber. Dave, I'm so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you. That's nice, Amber. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. We're coming to you all here from the KTCU studios. My name's Ian Apicia, and I'm joined alongside by Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle on this fine Wednesday night. We just got finished kind of debriefing that Colorado loss, and now we kind of want to move into our next segment, just recapping week one of the college football action. We saw a lot of great games this weekend. Florida State LSU was obviously one of the big title games uh duke and clemson that was a fun one to watch and then also we're, we're going to kind of touch on some of the teams that lost um from the big 12 texas tech baylor and west virginia but seth i guess just starting with you i mean this florida state lsu game was was one heck of a game it was indeed it was the marquee game of the of the week and you know lsu came in ranked fifth florida state ranked eighth this was you know really exciting for me during the first half really kind of like a, re- a really just sloppy game from LSU. <laughs> really sloppy. Really sloppy game. Extra sloppy. It was extra sloppy Joe from from LSU. I mean, they were leading at halftime. I don't know how. It was Florida State outplayed them all game long, but LSU, you know, credit to them, had a lead at half, but then the wheels just, you know, fell off. They fell off hard in the second half where, you know, Florida State comes out and just kicks them in the teeth repeatedly, so much so that Brian Kelly, LSU head coach, comes out after the game in the press conference and says, we don't have the team I thought we had, which is a heck of a statement for the head coach of Louisiana State University to make after their first game of the season. Yeah, that is not the kind of thing you want to hear if you're an LSU fan. Uh, maybe them being ranked number five was a little too high for them potentially because, yeah, Florida State just dominated this game. I mean, 45-24. I don't believe we've said the, fi- I said yes. the final score. Yeah, 45-24, yeah. Florida State outscores uh, LSU 31-7 to in the second half. Yeah, and Jordan Travis had a pretty good game I mean for Florida State he's definitely an exciting player to watch he accounted for five touchdowns for the Seminoles and yeah this that's it's you know college football is good you know when Florida State's playing well you know it just 
It feels good, doesn't it, to, it, to talk about you know Florida State in this way? I mean, what Mike Norvell's doing there is is pretty spectacular. Um, Keon Coleman, who's a transfer from uh, Michigan State, really made uh, an impact just immediately. It was just it was just very evident that uh, he was just you know running uh, running these LSU corners in circles. I mean, there was nothing they could do to stop them. Uh, I think that Florida State, uh, who moved up to four, I believe, in this updated week's AP poll, uh, Florida State's going to be good. And now, you know, we can talk about this with potentially a easier path to an ACC title and potentially a college football playoff berth because uh, their probably main competition does not look like they're going to be very good this year. Yeah, that was a tough loss. We're talking about Clemson, of course. They lost 28-7 to to the hands of Duke, the quote-unquote basketball school. Yeah. That, that's that's Coach, not— Coach K at linebacker, that's what I saw. He was, <laughs> he was out there yeah. out there with the—he was, he was, he was out there uh, relaying the, the plays to, every, to everyone on the defense. It was, it, was, it was a really fun game. Duke just, you know— Again, much like Florida State did to LSU, just kind of just punched Clemson in the mouth repeatedly. And even then, uh, Clemson had the chances to win the game. They had two fumbles inside the ten. They uh, an interception, you know, at the around midfield. Two blocked field goals, which you know you can attribute some of that to just bad luck. But at the same time, the just blunders were just all over the place for for Clemson all night long, and. It kind of begs the question, and this kind of goes into a deeper, you know, talk about Clemson football, and, you know, I think we'd be remiss to say who the offensive coordinator is for the Clemson Tigers. It is, you know, former TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. But I also don't think that much of the blame should be placed on Mr. Riley for the poor performance of the Clemson Tigers. I don't know if y'all would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of offensive coordinators will get the blame if of course the offense is not performing well but if you don't have the talent it's a little hard to run a functioning offense and last year well Garrett Riley had an incredible offense I mean look how many TCU players are in the NFL Quentin Johnston Tay Barber you know the list I mean that he had an incredible offense and TCU succeeded and I think Garrett Riley is a good football coach, but Clemson, I just don't, I didn't see anything from their skill position players that made me think, wow, like that dude is good. There just was, that just was lacking. And, and that was the problem for, for Clemson, that there was no, you know, kind of, there, there was no one there that, you know, had experience. And, and the, what I'm talking about is the, the lack of the use of the transfer portal for, for Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Clemson lost 12 players to the portal last year. Uh, some of those, you know, probably didn't play a lot, but, you know, some of them did. And they brought in one guy from the transfer portal, a quarterback who is the, a backup. It's not Kate Klubnick. He was he was out of high school. And so I think the best way to sum up how that kind of works is from our your friend and mine, Mike Gundy, who uh, – said this offseason about the transfer portal and the lack and the and not using it he said you can't lose guys and then just replace them with high school freshmen because you're going to have a team full of young kids and get your butt kicked for 2 years and guess what Clemson got their butt kicked on Monday night by Duke and now Duke is a is building something there i think that Mike Elko has something going uh, in Durham but 
it's still Duke. You have to if if you're the Clemson Tigers who've won two national championships in the past six years, you got to beat Duke. That's a that's that's you, you in a in an ACC that's pretty top heavy. You got to go out and beat the guys you're supposed to beat, and they did not do that on Monday night. Yeah, and and again, just I mean, obviously with Duke, I mean, sorry, with Clemson, that that's a game you got that that you have to take care of. But I, again, I think this game it just. It's one of those games where, again, you just look at the use of the transfer of the transfer portal, right? And you know, obviously, there's some people that say, you know, I don't like using the transfer portal. I prefer to try to grow a team and establish a team with the guys that I have and the guys that I recruit. But then at the same time, we're seeing it now where the transfer portal it can completely turn around programs on the dime and from one season to the next. And it's a bit becoming like the professional leagues where if a team goes out and gets two, three guys, signs them to big contracts, they can turn their season around and have a different outlook. And I think, you know, this, just like you guys said for Clemson, this is a bit of a wake up call for Dabo Sweeney in the sense of, look, maybe we need to change some of our processes of trying to build a team, especially when you now have a team that just isn't really experienced. Right. And, Again, with what Mike Gundy said, I mean, he's exactly right. The thing is, is that you can't lose guys and then expect the guys that have been under them for so long to just step up out of the blue and play like they've had experience this entire time. And I think we could even be seeing this at TCU as well, right? Where, you know, obviously TCU did use the transfer portal a little bit here. um, But again, it's that inexperience. And it's not that these guys don't have that capacity to the capacity to play at that level. It's just perhaps it's a bit unproven. Yeah, and we we to your point, we saw two instances this week where two teams brought in a ton of kids. They completely revamped their team via the transfer portal and got big wins. I'm talking about Colorado, who brought in over 50 transfers and beat TCU. And then there's Texas State, who brought in 39 kids out of the transfer portal and beat Baylor. Did they? Wow, 39. That's yep. crazy. I, I didn't know it was that many. And they completely just got uh, uh, GJ Ken is the new head coach there. Completely just, you know, got a shovel and just, you know, just dug every dug, dug all the old stuff up and is replacing it with a new foundation. And yeah, it, it paid off big time because they got a huge week one win 42 to 31 over Baylor. That shocked me. I did not see that coming. And I know Baylor fans are probably just livid right now that they lost by 11 points in week one and then on top of that texas tech who what's going on texas they tech? they received a lot of preseason hype including myself i thought they were going to be a lot better this season and they still can i you know won't say that their season's over but they suffered a loss to wyoming and now they get bo Nix and the oregon ducks next week so there's a very very realistic situation here where Texas Tech starts off 0-2 and, and you know that's... and Baylor has Utah coming to town yeah so it's it's uh I will I'll say this from a TCU perspective and a TCU fans perspective those games coming later that night certainly softened the blow of of Saturday morning and it kind of was like you know what we're all here, and we're kind of in the same boat. Hopefully, one of these guys, maybe the Horn Frogs, maybe jumps off the boat when dry land appears. But you know, <laughs> it, it maybe pushes the other two to cannibalize themselves. But it's just, it's it was fun. It was fun to watch. Uh, you know, two teams that are rivals of TCU just kind of, and, 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 and get some 
some payback because uh, they were both sma- they were both smack and talking us some fans. I saw some 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 smack talk on the X app, uh, yep. the old Bird app, and then uh, those tweets were quickly deleted uh, by the time midnight rolled around uh, after Texas Tech and Baylor had lost. Yeah, you got to play your game first and then talk smack. That's how I always. It's in. It's in the. There is a smack talk rule book, and that is like on the first page. Is it really a smack talk rule book? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know who it's by, but I saw it once, and that's on the first page. Yeah, I keep that rule with, like, fantasy sport, football and basketball, too. Like, yes. with my basketball league, with my friends. I could, you know, one of my buddies, he had a dominant team, lost one game all season long, was talking smack how he's going to win the whole thing, and then he lost in the first round. So, rough, backfired pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, smack talking for me, I, I personally don't like smack talk until I win. Yeah. I mean, that's just how I am, and I, I, I will let whatever I have, if it's, if it's my team or whatever, I will let them do the talking. But no, I mean, again, just looking back at this, as a TCU fan, seeing Baylor lose the way they did to Texas State, and same with Texas Tech to Wyoming, right? I mean, this lessened the blow a little bit, and going back to what we said earlier in the show, right? The TCU loss doesn't change the fact that we still have the same odds and chances to win the Big 12 championship. This, perhaps, these two losses then for sure reinforce that idea because of those losses, right? And so, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it definitely helps lessen the blow if you're a TCU fan. Doesn't make you feel great because you still know your team has to pull through and perform now, but it's definitely nice to know that there's other teams starting off on the back foot. Yeah. And then poor West Virginia, we haven't mentioned them. They just got pummeled by Penn State. I mean, Penn State set an attendance record too, which is funny. Uh, it was it was Penn State's whiteout, I believe. Which if That's y'all dangerous. haven't if y'all haven't seen Penn State's whiteout, it looks so fun. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. But uh, that game was semi close at half, fourteen to seven, and then just again, it kind of this, this 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 theme that we're seeing this week is some teams that usually, you know, you would expect to really just get out to fast start, starting a little slow. Even Texas had some trouble with Rice early on, uh, and and heck, even Oklahoma State. Uh, was only up thirteen to seven going into the fourth quarter against Central Arkansas. So uh, it is some uh, kind of a case of like knocking the rust off a lot against kind of these early teams. Uh, unfortunately for the trio, the Texas trio of Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU, the rust was knocked off via a loss. Yeah, and Seth, you know, we'll talk quickly. You know, your Iowa game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I got to bring it up. Okay, Iowa scored 24 points, so let's give a round of applause for the Iowa Hawkeyes. They scored 24 points against Yay. Utah State, and they had their first opening drive touchdown to start a season since, any guesses? Um, 1919. 1919, a little off. Uh, 1991, wow. when Matt Rogers threw a pass to Danon Hughes against Hawaii to open the 1991 season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Congratulations to my good friends up in Iowa City who play Iowa State this week in the Cyhawk game. It's much watch it's must watch television. Oh man. Really? <laughs> They're playing Iowa State? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. That's that's gonna be a fun one. Yikes, man. Yeah. Must watch television. It's just gonna be just What's up in Iowa? Is is Iowa potatoes or is that No, that's Idaho. Oh that's Idaho. Okay. Idaho. All right. Yeah, I don't really know what there would would be fun to do in Iowa, outside of Council Bluffs, which is where Max Duggan is, obviously. So yeah. that's that's basically Omaha at that point, anyway. 
So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about TCU and Nichols State, give our score predictions and what the Horned Frogs will need to do to get their first win of the season. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. Everyone is talking about healthcare these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our healthcare system, yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? Shifting to a system based on primary care can help fix the problem. Patients with a primary care doctor live longer, healthier lives and are less likely to suffer from cancer, heart disease, or stroke. Primary care that is comprehensive and coordinated also saves money. Patients who have a primary care doctor spend 30% less on health care than patients who don't. States with a high number of primary care doctors have lower health care costs and higher quality care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. Welcome to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Welcome back, guys. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle, who's just doing a fantastic job with the music choice. Beautiful, Seth. We love it. Keep up with these bumpers, man. We love it. ABBA's my favorite, so. I'm a big Sweden guy. Yeah? Yeah. Did You know what my favorite thing about ABBA is? Is that the three members of the band have, like, very Swedish names? I don't remember what their names are, but then one of those names is, like, Benny Anderson, <laughs> which is like the most American. That's an easy name. one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that is pretty. That's pretty funny. Uh, so we're going to be talking about TCU and Nichols State here. Uh, Nichols State coming off a thirty-eight to twenty-four loss against Sacramento State, which I just have to mention. I have been to Sacramento State. Ian and I are both from the Bay, but Sacramento is not part of the Bay. Let me just make that clear. It's not. Um, but we did at Sacramento State's a very beautiful campus and they actually have a really good football program over there. Um, I actually did a radio pregame show for Sacramento State football one one day. I, you know I knew someone over there and went it was like t- 2019 I think yeah went over there. It was pretty fun and they got a good football program and it's a beautiful campus. Yeah, no, I mean, Sacramento is beautiful. I love Sacramento. I, I, I always go up there to vacation just for like a weekend or something. It's perfect for little bit of that action, but I guess just getting back to that football point, right? I mean, Nichols State coming off of this loss, you know, and heading into this game against TCU, this is one where I do now feel much more confident in saying TCU will bounce back and win this game. I think we can all admit that this shouldn't be a problem for TCU. 38-17, TCU beats Nichols State right here. You heard it right here. Uh, That's the same prediction that I had against Colorado, and I'm putting it out there immediately that TCU will win the game, and this is going to age poorly because it's some because you apparently had receipts, Ian. I didn't know we were doing that. I I didn't know we were keeping those. You got to keep receipts nowadays. You have to. Some people say some yeah. out of pocket stuff, but yeah, I mean, again with Nichols State, right? This is the perfect game for TCU to bounce back, and just as we we're saying, look, they're they're they've they're obviously working on that defense that just imploded for pretty much every single drive against Colorado. I mean, missed assignments 
all over the field, lack of pressure um, on the opponent's pocket. And I think just one of the things, though, that TCU needs to carry over from that game in Colorado and bring that into the game against Nichols State this Saturday night is the running game. I think that was perhaps the, the, the only bright spot, per se, from that game against Colorado. I mean, the offensive line didn't give up a single sack all game. So that's obviously a wonderful takeaway. Now, at the same time, you know Chandler Morris. He Chandler Morris played a, a a really solid game. Obviously, that last drive and the interceptions we would like to have back. But if the offensive line stays intact and they stay strong up there and they win that 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 battle with sorry that battle on the line of scrimmage, I think TCU will have a recipe for success. Yeah, they they should roll right through this game and Nichols State actually has a lefty quarterback, Pat McQuaid. It's an <laughs> awesome name. That's McQuaid. An awesome, that's what an awesome what movie is that from McQuaid? Lightning McQuaid. No. <laughs> that um oh my gosh, I'm blinking. Anyways, yeah, they have a lefty quarterback, Pat McQuaid, and they actually have a really tough schedule to open the season. They got Sacramento State, then they play us, obviously, and then they play Tulane. Like, oh my gosh, that sucks. That yeah. that that is tragic. Yeah, Sacramento State, one of the best FCS programs. Then you know have to be the sacrificial lamb for the, you know their annual probably FCS FBS game, and then they got to do another one against Tulane, yeah. who's going to be really good this year, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is a chance really for the Horn Frogs to just build some confidence. I think they really could use that right now. Just settle into a rhythm. Don't need to do anything over the top. Just stick to the basics. Stick to your assignments. And TCU, oh gosh, they should win. I mean, could you imagine? Like, it won't happen. Well, I don't want to imagine. I don't want to imagine. I don't. But, yeah, I and, and again, I think if TCU hits on the marks that they're supposed to do, if just the same thing that Sonny Dice has said since he's come into this job here in Fort Worth, it's do your job. Everyone needs to do their job. And as long as you do your part, then you can live with whatever happens within the game, right? And I think one thing I want to see from Chandler Morris this game is a slightly a little more movement in the pocket, whether that's him getting out of the pocket. But one thing, though, is that, again, this running game against Colorado was fantastic. I mean, Amani Bailey had 11 carries for, I want to say, 164 yards. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, a big 74-yard rush to get TCU out from the four-yard line all the way up to the Colorado 20 or 21-yard line. I mean, that was huge. And again, I think if, if you stick to the run game and build your offense around that as, you know, so long that run game gets established and it's it's successful, I think TCU should have no problem. But again, from a Chandler Morris standpoint, I want to see a little more movement in the pocket. I want to see him. I want to see him go for that deep ball a little more. I want to see him spread the ball a little more to a few other guys. I think he really, really depended on John Paul Richardson and Jared Wiley this game. And those are two guys that can't be your number one and number twos. Those guys aren't meant to be your main receivers. Yeah, I'd like to see Savion Williams kind of get involved a little you bit more here. Beat me to it. Two receptions for six yards for Savion. That needs to be better. And it's not it's not necessarily just on him, but it's just the offense needs to find him and target him a little more. Uh, I was just about to say it, Seth. You know, great minds think alike, Zion. Yeah. We are great minds. Yeah. And I, I but I do agree. Savion. We, we hopefully we'll, we'll see him find the end zone because we saw him 
you know, he wasn't the primary target for Max Duggan last year at all, but we can't, we saw him come up really big whenever, you know, Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis weren't playing in that Baylor game, uh, the, uh, the second-to-last game of the regular season, right? There in that last drive, I remember him making some really clutch catches. Uh, Savion Williams definitely has the skills to be, you know, a key contributor in this offense, and I'd really like to see, you know, him and, you know, a, a slew of other people. You know, this is a game— yeah, we talked about it. Sonny thought that we'd see 20 different guys rotated in and around of the ball on both sides last week, right? This is the game where you can really say that with confidence, I think, right? This is the game where we're, you know, I said it, we're troubleshooting things, we're fine-tuning everything before we dive right back into the deep end when Colorado, or excuse me, when, when we go down to Houston uh, on the 16th, which, you know, is Houston's first Big 12 game. In our first Big 12 game of the year, it's going to be a really big litmus, really big litmus test for the defense. We can talk about that a bit more uh, after the Nickel State game next Wednesday. But uh, excited to see how TCU kind of, you know, handles the adversity that has been handed to them. Uh, three out of the last four games, TCU has lost. It's time, you know, for the, and, you know, in that locker room, they're they're probably like, all right, it's time to turn that corner now. We're, we need to get back to where we were last year in the middle of the season yeah it's kind of weird to think about that right because they had such a good year but when you, yeah when you think about it they've I mean it's true they've lost three of the last four games now so. that one win is probably the biggest win in this school's history yeah and yeah exactly it was a tremendous win best day of my life one of the best days of my life yeah. really oh yeah that was amazing man against Michigan oh my god yeah I was I was watching at home and I like stood there in disbelief i think like, i wept i would i was crying in the press box at state farm stadium yeah you were there i was crying in the press box as we we're going down the elevator to get onto the field for the celebration yeah around michigan people around tcu people but i was like screw it man we just won we're going to the natty so yeah that was a pretty pretty cool day and hopefully one day if not this year we can get right back to that spot but at the moment it's Nickel State. Yeah, we're moving on to it's Nickel. It's Nickel State Week, baby. Hang, we're gonna see it on the blue. It's gonna say "Beat," and then it's gonna have Nickel State logo. Oh yeah, and just get amped. You know, it's not a big game like it was for Colorado, but I encourage everyone if you can. It's a night game this time, so it won't be as hot. Go out and support the Frogs. They 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 need it, right? This is you know kind of those, one of those things where we all just need to you know join together as a student body or as a, just a fandom, right? You know, tough loss. Get right back on the horse. Rally the troops. Let's get right back to it. Let's get back to our winning ways and bounce back. Exactly. Exactly. All right, rounding out the segment, let's go through our quick score prediction. Seth, what did you say earlier? Just remind our audience. 38-17. 38-17. And I do think, I do think that 17 comes late. I, I think that, or early. I think this. I think a, a good bulk of that either comes whenever, you know, Nickel State, you see in these FCS, FC, FBS games a lot, the... FCS team just either they they immediately are outmatched or they throw everything they have, you know, all their game planning into those first couple of drives and then you know they're out of gas. I think that's how it's going to go. Thirty eight seventeen, maybe thirty eight thirteen. Going to kind of you know we're going to stick with the same kind of predictions as we saw last week. Yeah, I'm going to go with forty two to ten. A lot a lot of points scored on the offensive end. Scored the same amount forty two last week. I think they go 42 again or like 38 but I'll stick with I'll stick with 42. I'm 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 right there with you Zion. I think TCU's going to put up 42 or 45 but I'll I'll say 42 to 13 TCU. 
I'm hoping to see a lot of guys play. I'm hoping to see Sonny bring on some of the guys. Maybe, I mean, seeing Josh Hoover play would be great at, at the, you know, I mean, if, if it's early enough to put him in at the start of the uh, at the start of the second half, I think that would be great. But really looking for TC to bounce back for this game. That's on Saturday night at 7 p.m. Kickoff at Amon G. Carter Stadium between TCU and Nichols State. That was our preview for Nichols State, but we'll be right back as we've got some more talk for the next hour. We've got NFL Week 1 previews. We're going to talk a little bit about the NL wildcard races. That's heating up. And then last but not least, we'll finish out the show talking about the Rangers who have had some struggles lately, but we got to talk about them. Stay here on 88.7 The Choice as you're listening to Riff Ram Review. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back live at the National Butt-Out Finals, and we're down to our last contestant, A.J. Langer. He's all fired up. We can see smoke coming out of his nose, and there's a big cloud of smoke around his head. And there he goes. It's out. He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds. Now the judges are checking his butt to make sure every bit of combustible material is extinguished. A thumbs up. A new world record for extinguishing a cigarette. 2.6 seconds. Lori is with A.J. Lori? AJ, how did you get so good at putting your butt out? Well, Lori, I burnt the house down. I was a careless smoker. So you learned the hard way. Hard and costly way. You have any tips for the smokers out there? Oh, you get a sturdy ashtray, push down hard, and twist with the wrist. Right. And let's see who can beat 2.6 seconds. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov smoking. A message from the U.S. Fire Administration and firefighters everywhere. Welcome back to the Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice on KTCU, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Apicia, and I'm joined by Zion Trammell tonight and Seth Dowdle, who's doing a beautiful job from the studio, working on all the music and the bumpers for us. Thank you there, Seth. But now we're going to shift the conversation away from college football, and we've got to look ahead to this weekend, and starting with this Thursday, because the NFL season's back. I know we'll all be on our couches on Sunday for seven hours of commercial-free commercial football. football. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't wait for Red Zone to be pl- back. was not even planned. That was not even in the no. notes. We just did that on a whim. Yep. Super excited for football to be back. Um, NFL football at that. And we got to start off just quickly talking about the Chiefs and the Lions week one. That's going to kick things off tomorrow night at 720 from Arrowhead Stadium. Should be a good game. I'm, I, I genuinely think the Lions could pull off a upset or at least give the Chiefs a pretty good run for their money. How long has it been since the Lions were the quote unquote favorite to win the NFC North? It hasn't. I don't think. Were it, we even alive when it was? No, definitely not. It's been a while. It, it has been a while. I don't even. I, I don't have an answer to the question. This is I, just I a total. Either. Come on, Seth. Uh, my guess would be 1900 uh, back. You know. You, you know. William McKinley was president, and Theodore Roosevelt was the vice president. That's when it happened. Yeah, the Lions have not won a division title since 1993. Wow. So they played in the NFC Central. 30 years. Excuse me, I nearly said 20 years there. (laughs) This is what I meant. Well, save for the math potty. (laughs) Yeah, when they had Barry Sanders. That's what I was going to say is probably when they had Barry. But, yeah, it's been a long time, and I'm really—it's exciting. I think— the Lions, they've just had so, so much failure. If that's, you know, I, I think that's kind of undermining how bad it's been. You know what's kind of fun, though, about the Lions? 
you remember when they traded for Goff like two years ago? The whole discourse around that was Goff is like the guy that's gonna, you know, he he's gonna be the guy. Within the new guy's gonna come in, and Goff's gonna, you know, train him up, and Goff's gonna be gone whenever we're competitive. Nope. Yep. Jared Goff is he's he's done it again. He is whimsy this way back into the to the I am the guy kind of role. He did it in Los Angeles, and now here he is doing it again to Detroit. And here's the deal, Jared Goff, all power to you. I think that this is, you know, I, I don't, I've never been a Jared Goff hater. I think that he's, you know, always been an average to you know, slightly above, you know, the cut of an NFL quarterback. And it's exciting to see him, you know, lead what I think is going to be a really good offense. Yeah. And it is his job to lose. Now, they do have Hendon Hooker, but I highly doubt that he would see the field. They also have Teddy Bridgewater. I feel like he's just been on so many teams the last few years. Yeah, and Hinden's Hinden's coming off an ACL surgery, yeah. so I can't imagine that he'll even see the be field. available. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, but I I'm excited for Jared Goff. See what he can do. He's been through so much as a starter with the highs of the Rams and that Super Bowl success, you know, Super Bowl team, and then the lows of you know Owen. What was it, eleven or twelve? Oh, you know, and thirteen or something. I yeah. mean, it took a long time for bad. him to pick up a win that one year. And then, yeah, I mean, they had an interesting strategy in the draft. They they got Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, and they also got Sam Laporta, tight end from Iowa. So their wide receiver core is it's nothing incredible, but who knows i mean who they what they got marvin jones jr khalif raymond josh reynolds amon ross st brown i don't know why that wasn't the first yeah. name i said <laughs> yeah. but you know he's obviously a very talented receiver i mean i don't know that it could be it could be something and i i think the lines will be they'll, they'll be solid yeah and and i i guess i'll just start off talking about the chiefs defense here i mean you know the chiefs obviously coming off of a super bowl winning season last year against the eagles but I, I, I still don't think the Chiefs defense is some spectacular thing anymore. I think, yeah, it's been solid, but at the same time, we've seen the Chiefs just get into shootout games and rely on Pat Mahomes um, on that offense and to, to, to just lead them. And, and again, one thing I'm kind of excited about, and, and again, don't read too much into this, I'm, 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 I think it's horrible that Kelsey's coming into the season injured, but this could open it up to be a pretty interesting game should he not play, depending on what it is. I mean, they listed him as questionable. I guess I'll just open it up to you guys. What do you guys think? I mean, how how can the Chiefs kind of play without Kelsey if that's what's dealt to them on Thursday? Or Chris Jones. He might not play as well. He's still holding out. Yeah. So they could be potentially, uh, you know, without their best guy on the defensive side and their second best guy on the offensive side. But if there is a team that can overcome that it is the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid uh how to to just kind of answer your question how do they do that I think that the answer is very simple Ian I think that the answer wears number 15 on his back and has the last name Mahomes also on his back I he is just he's a a superhuman quarterback and you know with him you can do no wrong and I think that if they are you know without Kelsey I mean, you, do y'all remember the discourse about, you know, oh, Tyreek Hill's gone. Yep. What's going to happen? I was I, I right. was just about to talk about that, too. Me, well, too. Well, it didn't matter. They won the freaking Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill went and, you know, he was still good in Miami, but Patrick Mahomes was able to win a Super Bowl with Juju Smith-Schuster 
as one of the primary targets. That is wild. Whose knee is apparently going to explode, which that's such a insane headline. I don't think that's true, but you know. There's a there's a bomb in his in his knee. That's what that means, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. attached to his ACL at all times. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because you look at this receiving core. It's again, it's nothing insane. You've got Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. When he's healthy, is oh my goodness, he is so shifty. It's actually ridiculous. I I, I love watching Kadarius Tony play. When, he, when he's healthy, and that's for like two games all season long. And so, yeah, without Kelsey, you definitely have to rely on these receivers to stay healthy. Now, if Kelsey and Chris Jones are out, I think the Lions win. I, I think they could win. It might move the needle enough. Uh, yeah. it, the the Chiefs are four-and-a-half-point favorites right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't recall if that's after. That's, I mean, it's definitely after the Kelsey news. It was probably yep. a point or two probably higher at that point, but if Chris Jones doesn't play, wow. I mean, and you were talking about it, the defense, you know, there's questions surrounding that, and Chris Jones is definitely the centerpiece there. Exactly, but no, I mean, really excited for NFL to be back. It's been something that obviously everybody's been waiting for. Yeah, you know, preseason's been back, yada, 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 watching some uh, some of those guys playing and some, some young guys getting some reps, but again, we're just really looking forward to this game. Hey, that Commanders-Ravens preseason game was uh, a it ton was. of fun. It was, it was. That's but, about it, though. Yeah, but there's some good headlines, though. We we got Bryce Young for the Panthers, B. John Robinson for the Falcons. The first time they've faced off against each other, they played each other last year, Alabama versus Texas. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what B. John Robinson can do. There's a ton of preseason hype. Oh, yeah. And, and I guess moving on to the next game that's on our radar, obviously being here in DFW. Cowboys Giants, it's it's exactly what you it's it's exactly what you would ask for to start this season. I mean, this is going to be one heck of a game to start this season. We talked about our expectations or lack of expectations, perhaps for the Cowboys from the last episode, but man, this will be exciting. Yeah. It feels like the Cowboys play the giants opening week. Like every, if it's not Tampa Bay, I feel like they've played the Giants. I mean, they've played the giants so many times in week one and the giants have yet to beat Dak Prescott since his rookie season. Really? Yeah, they beat him twice his rookie year, and they have not beat him since. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and is the, it, the game's at home, right? No. No, no it's away. It's, it's first a, home games against the Jets week two. It is East Rutherford, be... but then, yeah, the Aaron Rodgers and the Jets come to town week two. Yeah. So, that'll be two very compelling matchups uh, for the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys should win this game. I'm really excited to see what this new offense will look like. Obviously, the departure of Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy seems to take the reins of this offense, and with a new workhorse in Tony Pollard, he's going to have the keys to the running back position, you know, and getting most of the touches. Of course, there's Deuce Vaughn as well, and uh, and a couple other guys Rico there. Rico Dowdle. Rico Dowdle. That's the that's, name you're missing. Yeah, Come on. I was, that's the most important almost, name on the Cowboys. I almost said Seth Dowdle. I'm not kidding. Hey, and then we wish. We can yeah. all dream. And, of course, a re- a revamped receiving core with the addition of Brandon Cooks. CeeDee Lamb's obviously going to have a, 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 a really solid season. But for me, I think the important thing is is for Dak to obviously limit the turnovers and to just game manage and keep it simple. They don't need to do anything over the top. I think last season, 
Kellen Moore, I think, made things a little difficult, a little more complicated than things needed to be for Dak Prescott, and the communication wasn't always there. They can, I think they're going to simplify things for him this season, and I think it's going to pay off big time with a guy like Brandon Cooks who can stretch the field still despite his age. He's still a very dependable receiver, and CD's you know, run after the catch is incredible. The Cowboys should win this game, and it's going to be tough for sure, but I, I do like the odds here for Dallas. Uh, revamped defense kind of as well. There's yeah. uh, some new additions. Stephon Gilmore uh, enters that cornerback room. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be facing a Giants offense that a lot of people are very high on. It's going to be Daniel Jones. You know, he's still got the keys. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought that Daniel Jones oh, would yeah. still be the quarterback of the New York Giants Good for him. in 2023? Saquon Barkley, uh, obviously we know what he can do. And then Darren Waller, new tight end. I know, Raider. I know Former Ian, Raider. <laughs> yeah. I know Ian's not too pleased about that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a team that uh, the Giants, you know, the, this is going to be a good NFC East because I think every single team has expectations. Usually, even the commanders have you know new ownership and a new quarterback. They have you know some expectations. I think in, in Washington and certainly they do in New York, right? They made some moves to try and you know get that thing going again. I mean, hey, they were really, they were pretty good last year. The Giants, you know, they they uh, made made it the playoffs. Now they were. Uh, on paper, maybe not the best team, but they got they got the job done with the wins, and that's all that matters in the end. And they have a great coach. Brian Dable is an incredible coach. I really like everything that he's he's done with that team. And I think Darren Waller is definitely one of the under-the-radar moves of the offseason. And, yeah, the Cowboys have a really strong defense. Dan Quinn is a genius at defensive coordinator, and I'm excited. Obviously, Micah Parsons, probably heavy favorite for defensive player of the year. But, yeah. They've got a really good offense. Young receivers, um, Jalen Hyatt, uh, what's his name? Hodgins, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. I, I think he could be pretty good this season too. Now, I guess just from a neutral stand of view, you know, standpoint, you know, obviously you two, Seth and Zion, you guys are Cowboy fans. You know, for me, looking at the NFC and just looking at the Cowboys, high expectations every year. McCarthy's entering his fourth season. If, the, if if this season doesn't go to plan, what what are, what are the next moves? And I mean, just quickly, it doesn't have to be super super in depth. But I'm just curious, what what's the feeling around Cowboys fans? And if McCarthy isn't able to get this ship moving, I honestly don't think that anything will happen to Mike McCarthy unless there's just a total disaster. I think that this that status quo will be held unless I I mean that's just the that's just Jerry Jones's mo. I mean, it took him. Longer than needed to to get rid of Jason Garrett. He's he's gonna he's not gonna bite the bullet until it's until the till the it's pointed right at his temple. I mean, it's just that's just that's just how Jerry Jones operates. Now, what should happen, I guess, depending, I guess there's there's varying amounts of a failure for the Cowboys probably would be to not make the NFC Championship game. That is a failure, right? Uh, but if Mike McCarthy fails to do that, I don't think anything will happen. I think that they'll just go into the next year trying to do it again. Yeah, and. No matter how good or bad the Cowboys are, that to me has has been the expectation the last few years because they have not done that in my lifetime. And it they've not made the NFC Championship game. And so that is sort of the expectation now. And I think Mike McCarthy I, I think I honestly think Jerry will have a much shorter leash for Mike McCarthy 
then I think he's kind of hinted that at that a little bit in the past. But but Mike stayed at his house, Zion, whenever he was getting interviewed. He stayed at Jerry's house. <laughs> yeah. They're good friends. Yeah. I think Jerry and Steven, though, are eager to win a Super Bowl. Like they it's not that they haven't been, but based off what they did this offseason, I think they're ready to take that next step. And I think a big important thing for Mike McCarthy is can he run this offense efficiently? And can he coach this team to not have costly penalties? Last year, that killed the Cowboys. There were so many silly penalties that this team had, and that's all about discipline, and and coaching is, is a big part of that. And I believe against the 49ers, they had a lot of penalties. And to me, that is something they have to clean up. A lot on the a lot of procedural ones. It's all it's false starts. It's holds. It's offsides. It's all the on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. there. You know, Tyler Smith when he came out of uh, out of college, the big thing was penalties, and I, I feel like he didn't have too many penalties. No, he last wasn't season. really the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, it was kind of. It was kind of guys. I mean, Zach Martin was kind of rolled with penalties too. Yeah. But it, 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 Zion is, you know, Jerry is eager to do it his way, right? That's the whole reason that, uh, you know, we've been in this kind of same kind of song and dance for since the '90s, right? Uh, when Jimmy Johnson was fired, he wanted to do it his way with Barry Switzer, and you know, we've been trying to. He's been trying to do it his way ever since. And so far, you know, Jason Garrett, that's just that's his way. And then, you know, Mike McCarthy, we'll see if they can get it done. I'm interested to see how it happens. I don't know how it will turn out. I am excited for the game. Uh, but the good news about the NFL is that a loss in week one, unlike in college football, I will not be playing Hello Darkness, <laughs> My Old Friend, if the Cowboys lose on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just kind of finishing that thought off, right, going back to what you guys said about whether or not McCarthy will – you know, have his head on the chopping block at the end of the season. If they underperform, it's it's all about standards, right? And it's just like what you said, Zion. Cowboys haven't felt this winning feeling of success for a long time since the 90s, right? And so how can you even say, look, you know, we're trying to move on, so we don't want you anymore. You, ha- you don't even have those standards that have been implemented over the last couple of years to even say that, hey, you know, you're done here because you're not living up to what we have been, right? So, I mean, I, I do agree with you guys in the sense that I think Mike, Mike McCarthy is is safe. Um, but no, should should be a should be a great game for the Cowboys. We do have a couple more games we want to take a quick look at, though. Dolphins Chargers should be super exciting. Quentin Johnson will be making his NFL debut. Hope, hopefully, he'll he'll have a solid first game there for the Bolts. Then um, also Bills and Jets. I mean, these are these are two games that we've definitely circled on our calendars and we'll be tuning in for. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. It's back. Uh, we will be on our couches. I will be watching Red Zone. Will you all be watching Red Zone? I will. Oh, yeah. All right. There we go. And I think we are, we're all watching the game tomorrow together. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So Thursday night. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, if you're playing fantasy football, everyone, you know, just buckle in. Uh, to get ready for the ride. This only happens for five months out of every single year. Uh, soak it all in. Football is back tomorrow night. And I'm really excited for, you know, just it's, it's always a fun experience in this country because we all join together with one, you know, one thing and we all like it a lot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited for this Dolphins Chargers game. I think it's it's probably going to be a shootout. Lots of talent. 
at the skill positions for both teams. Of course, the Chargers' big thing this season is being able to close out games. That is something they have not done for several years now. New offensive coordinator, obviously, with Kellen Moore. Justin Herbert, I think, has gotten a lot of slack or a lot of criticism that is not deserving, you know, at all. He's an incredible quarterback. And it'll be exciting to see Quentin Johnson come into this receiving core that has injury problems. So he could be stepping into that number one receiver role if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams go down. So I'm excited for that. And then, of course, with Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, they are probably going to be a playoff team this season. I really like their offensive lot or their offense a lot with Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson. So that'll be exciting to see. And a lot of pressures on Josh Allen this season. I think he has the most pressure out of any quarterback this season to deliver when it matters. Well, definitely some really exciting games on tap for this week one of the NFL season. Again, kicks off tomorrow night, Thursday night football between the Chiefs and the Lions. But when we come back from this quick break, we'll touch on some baseball talk. Talk about that NL wild card. Sorry, that NL wild card race that's just been super exciting at the end of this season. But we'll be right back here on the eighty-eight point seven KTC, the choice, your choice for college radio. You're listening to Riff Ram Review. Dad, we need to talk. Can we just enjoy the drive? If you're not going to listen to me, who will you listen to? Jeffrey. Ah! Marcia Gay Harden. What? What? Eyes on the road, Dad. What? 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 What are you doing? What? What are you? What are you? What are you doing in my back seat? How did you get in here? You're getting older. Not that old. Your brain's changing. It's natural. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Honey, I've got experience with this. Jeffrey, brain health is all about making the most of your brain as you age and helping to reduce some of the risks to your brain. Really? Now that's interesting. So, you'll talk to her about this, but not me. Marsha Gay Harden? Where did she go? Learn what you can do to help keep your brain healthy at brainhealth.gov. Did she... (laughs) She didn't say goodbye. I mean, I would have... Visit brainhealth.gov. Ram Review right here on 88.7 FM. KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napishan and Seth Dowdle. It's a nice Wednesday evening. We're going to be talking about the National League wildcard race in Major League Baseball. We'll also talk a tiny bit about those Texas Rangers. But first, we'll start things off with the National League wildcard. And as it currently stands, the Phillies occupy the first wildcard spot with the Cubs not too far behind them, but then it is a tight race for that third spot. Currently, the Cincinnati Reds hold it. They're playing the Mariners right now. The Marlins and the Diamondbacks are just a half game back, and the San Francisco Giants are now two and a half games back because they've lost six in a row. It's been a pretty big collapse for the Giants. They lost eight to two to the Cubs today, but this is a really intriguing wildcard race of teams that people probably didn't anticipate to be here. A lot of people expected the Padres and the Mets to be, you know, top of their divisions and or, you know, in the wild card race at the least. But you have teams like the Reds who, with Ellie De La Cruz and that whole squad, they've been really exciting to watch. And 
the historic season that Luisa Rise is having. And I think the Marlins have a very sneaky offense. I, I think they're pretty solid there. Um, but Jorge, I believe Jorge Soler is going to the IL, which is a huge loss for them. But yeah, let's talk about it. Ian, we'll, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts so far? And who do you think could get into that third spot for the NL wildcard? Yeah, I mean, just, just starting off, I mean, obviously Philadelphia is five games up, right? But I'm 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 really happy to see that the Cubs and, and, and the Reds are kind of in that second and third spot right now. I think the 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 NL Central coming into any season, no one is particularly excited about it. Everyone feels and, and rightly so, everyone believes that the Brewers are going to win it, and and that's kind of how it's been for the last. You well, know, the Cardinals too. You well, can't yeah. forget about well that that the Cardinals' dreadful year is kind of what is also being glossed over here. The Cardinals are also one of those teams that is yeah you know not involved, but the Brewers right now yes are in first place yeah. and probably have. I mean, they have the. That's their division to lose right now. Yeah, exactly. And and but but I mean just just getting back to that point, right? I'm just excited to see that the NL Central is more competitive in general. I think that that's the whole idea is that Cubs and Cincinnati are going at it for these last spots, and then you also see teams like Miami and Arizona, who again, just like you said, I think Luis Arise is having obviously a phenomenal season and you want to see that go into the postseason i think miami could be a team if they get in there they could put together a decent little run for themselves and arizona i think arizona is such a young team they're exciting to watch running the bases i mean gosh i mean it's 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 just showing up for for what'll be a really good last few weeks yeah and the diamondbacks they struggled a little bit and then they've really started to pick it up again and I, I like what the Diamondbacks have, but I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Marlins. You think Marlins are gonna get I'm in? Gonna, there? I'm gonna take the Marlins to take that third spot. You know, but I'll be happy if it's the Reds and then I think honestly the Giants are a lost cause. That offense is on L six right now, the Giants are. I, I do not like the Giants. They have yeah, they have a pretty bad offense. I've never seen a team strike out more than the Giants. It's it's pretty hard to watch. They and they did they didn't do anything really at the deadline either where as you, like the Marlins got Josh Bell and you see these other teams make moves and the Giants did absolutely nothing. So um and the Marlins are up 9 to 1 on the Dodgers right now, so I'll just say that. I I'm I'm a Marlins guy right now. Okay. Marlins guy Zion, I'm a Reds guy over here. Uh, I want that kind of young batch of kids to, to you know make the playoffs and I think that baseball is a lot more fun when Cincinnati, which is a great baseball town, yep. is involved in October and I hope that they are because uh, that that team is just really fun to watch. I mean, LA De La Cruz, you got Christian and Carson and Carson, Christian and Carcion Strand. Did I say it right the third time? Yes. So, there yeah, we yeah. go, guys. Spencer Steer. There you go. Uh, uh, Hunter Green. You know Nick Lodolo. Yes. The TCU. T- TCU. Alex They're, Young. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Young. So it's just it's just a really fun group of of players, and then you add all those young guys, and then you throw in 40-year-old Joey Votto, and it just even becomes a lot more fun. And that's another reason why I want to. It's his last chance. Yeah, right? Last chance for a ring, Joey. Send, even though I don't I don't think they have a, a a shot to make to win the World Series, maybe, you know, I'll, we'll play that clip in about a month and a half. But it'd just be fun to see the Reds back in the postseason. Uh, the last time they were in the postseason, correct me if I'm wrong, was that 
wild card game against the Pirates in 2013 when Johnny Cueto dropped the ball then gave up the big homer to Russell Martin. Uh, was that it? That's the last. Yeah. You're saying that's the last time I they think did that's the last season. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's for me. I follow the. I obviously follow the National League, but since I'm a Rangers fan, like I'm just this whole summer I've been glued, obviously with the American League West. But um, and then I'm, but yeah, I'm also excited about the Cubs. I know they pretty much have a spot. They could still win the division. Justin Steele is oh, yeah. kind of an under the radar like Cy Young candidate potentially i mean that dude is he can pitch man that dude can pitch i really like justin Steele. he is very dependable in that rotation and they've got some young guys there too i'm i really i like the cubs a lot i would definitely root for them i've always been a big dansby swanson fan yeah. I, I don't know he's just got like He's got the vibes, guys. Yeah, Dan he's got Swanson's the vibes. He's got, got the, the flow. Vibe. He's got the flow in the hair, actually, and he's just he just walks on a baseball field and just he has confidence pouring out of his pores. And we saw a bounce. We've seen a bounce back season from Cody Bellinger too. Yeah. So that's that. That's really nice to see. To be honest, Cody Bellinger kind of finding his way back. I think. I mean, he's someone that I feel like, unless you're a Giants fan, Padres fan type of thing. You 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 do like Cody Bellinger. He's someone that brings a lot of kind of swagger to the game. He's fun to watch too, and he just seems like a good guy. So it's kind of good to see him back doing his thing. But yeah, I mean, Cubs Cubs are looking good right now, and just like you said, Justin Steele's been great this season, sixteen and three. So yeah, that's 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 good. That'll that'll, that'll play, kids. That'll play. If, that, if you wanna if you want some advice on like how what do you got to do to be a good pitcher in the uh, National League, well. Justin Steele this season is a pretty good example of, you know, kind of a guy who none of us would have pegged during spring training other than Justin Steele that he would be having this kind of season, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's it's exciting. So let's move on to the American League side of things. We'll talk about the Rangers in a second, but uh, pretty much that obviously last week we talked about the American League West, and we're here a week later and the same issues have been, those issues have been the same for the Texas Rangers with the bullpen. The offense has sputtered a little bit, but even when they do provide run support, it collapses, usually in the next half inning, honestly. The show ended on Wednesday. We walked out of the studio, went and watched the end of the game, and it ended the exact same way we had been talking about on the show. It was poetic. Yeah. Hit by pitch to end the game. That's right, against yeah. the Mets. Yep. It was against, uh, God, who's that guy? On the Mets, Stewart, DJ Stewart, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chapman, yeah. Oh it's it's just been a rough go of things, and I wouldn't no, recommend looking at the score right now either, Zion. Three one, three to one. Yeah, into the bottom. No, of the yeah, I, I already I already saw that. Yeah, it's the home run balls really killed them in this series against the Astros. Jose Altuve. Oh man, I just hope he retires soon because this is just ridiculous what he's doing. Just talking about it briefly, I'm curious to get your guys' take on this. I saw the video of the Rangers broadcasters. Oh, <laughs> just talking about. I thought the it three was homers. fun. I thought it was funny. That's such a thing I would say. That's a thing I would say. Yeah. It would be, but to me, like, I don't know. It was just, it was bizarre. Yeah. So for context, Dave Raymond and CJ Nikowski, the announcers for the Texas Rangers, talked about Jose Altuve. And he basically said he's they're not he's not giving the Rangers players a chance to you know catch the ball. If they did, he would 
you know, but if there was no wall, he would have been a uh, free flyout yeah, sort of thing. But I think, and of course, people, Astros fans, are like, what a terrible thing to say. And honestly, that is literally just Dave Raymond and CJ Nicole. Like they are, their humor is just very straight. Like you it's can't very dry. It's very it is dry, and they don't have that sarcastic tone. They keep the same tone throughout the entire broadcast. And Jared Sandler cleaned cleared it up mm-hmm. too. It was a joke, okay? Yep. They're not they they would not be in that position as an, an announcer if they truly believed that. Like, come on now. Um, but yeah, it's just been a disaster for the Rangers. They currently are in the wild card actually because Toronto lost today. Toronto lost, so to yeah, the Oakland Athletics, yeah, baby. Thanks to the Oakland A's, unbelievable. I'm very, I'm, I'm an A's fan right now. But All right, man, we'll take everyone we can get. Yeah, even players, if if anyone wants to volunteer. Oh, yeah, that's you got to have a lot of incentives to want to play for Oakland. Um, Monetary ones would probably be the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which they don't have. Uh, well, it's a great place if you're young. You want to just get get up there early and get some experience. Yeah, but. yeah, but the Rangers, it. Let's talk about it, like the playoff hopes, because like I just mentioned, they are still in the wild card, and it's I think hard I to have, believe. I think I have the playoff hopes written down pretty nicely on our notes here. I'm going to let one of y'all read it. Okay. It says, in the absolute dumpster, my boy. They are in the dumpster right now, as we speak. Obviously, that can change, but this last week and a half, this last month, has not inspired any confidence that... Uh, a turnaround is coming anytime soon. The problems are just continually rearing their ugly head. The solutions to the problems are not, not there. They're not there right now. Uh, people, I see a lot of people wondering, all right, just, I mean, and I kind of agree to, in the, to a certain extent of like, all right, just let's bring some other guys up from the, from, from triple a and get some other people up to try and, you know, get outs. But I don't think that it would, I don't think it would make a difference because this all stems back to the same problem that the Rangers have had for 10 plus years is that they can they cannot to save their lives develop pitching. The only reason that this pitching staff has even semi worked this year is because they bought it. And every, everyone that they have tried to develop or, br- or brought up has not worked. Cole Reagans went to the Royals and immediately became the best pitcher in the month of August in the in major league baseball. Yep. It was just, I mean, very happy for Cole. Um, Glad to see him succeed. Wish it was with Texas across his chest. And Emmanuel Classe gets traded to Cleveland and becomes the best closer in baseball, or one of the best closers in baseball. It's It's been a problem for a while, and they also don't spend money on bullpen arms. They usually get them at the trade deadline. If you look at the last few years, this year, Aroldis Chapman was the one guy that we acquired, and Chris Stratton. Um, for bullpen arms a few years ago is Jake Diekman, Jeremy Def- Jeremy Jeffers, Sam Dyson. These are all guys that they got via trade. They don't spend money on bullpen. And I'm sure Chris Young will may want to rethink that this offseason because Bruce Bochy, it's not his fault. I mean, it doesn't matter who he throws out there. There's no one right now that they can really depend on. Where there was a few years ago or a few months ago, that's thrown out the window. There's no one that really right now that's stepped up. And those guys, yeah, like you said, Seth, there's not anyone in AAA. I mean, we sent Grant Anderson down. Brought up Jonathan Hernandez, and he immediately walked three in a row to score the winning run in extra innings for, yes. the, for the against the Twins about a week ago. Yeah, Spees, uh, 
we brought him up as well. And I mean, you know, there's just, there's not anyone there. So there's just not a solution to that problem. You just have to hope at this point that somebody figures it out and, you know, I, there's still there is still time. It's just hard to have faith that they can do it. They play the A's this weekend, and you just have to think that a sweep. I mean, a sweep is absolutely necessary. You would like to think that they should sweep. If they don't, even that winning two out of three is still a failure in my book. Well, I'm I'm getting really excited for this series. To be completely honest, I mean, I want to see the A's finish this season strong, and they've been doing much better in the second half of the season. But I think. If the A's can do anything this season to be happy about at the end of it, it would be to play spoilers to as many teams as you can. Yeah. And whether it's being a spoiler to Houston by helping Texas out down the line or by being a spoiler to the Rangers by beating them themselves. But, no, I mean, again, I mean, this this to me, the AL West is, the to me, it's one of the most competitive, whether it's the most it, – what. The AL West is the most competitive division to me in the sense that I feel like every single season you don't really have an expectation of how the number two and three teams are going to do. You kind of always expect the Astros to be at the top, but then always at the middle point of the season or end of the season, there's always a surprise that you're just waiting for. And I mean, again, we're, we're getting that this year. But Yeah, it's been the Mariners the last couple of years. Uh, and it certainly was the Mariners in August, right? They came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, Julio Rodriguez couldn't stop hitting baseball's uh uh, and getting on base safely. So, I mean, yeah. And then the Astros, It's this has been kind of a weird year for the AL West, but right now it's funny how everything, you know, goes back to where it's all meant to be, and that's where it is right now. Uh, Houston, Seattle, Texas, Los Angeles, and Oakland. Yep. And, and I, I guess just continuing on this conversation here about the Rangers and the playoff hopes, right? For you two as Rangers fans, what are you guys looking at in terms of, hey – if we win the division, how does that set us up? Or if we are in the wild card, where do we kind of want to be for this to set us up in the playoffs? Should that be, you know, should that, you know, come to fruition? There are really only two spots that are ideal. Obviously, I don't really care. A playoff spot is a playoff spot. You'll take it no matter what. But in terms of favorable matchups, uh, you probably would want to be that last wild card team in so you could play the Twins and then, or you win the division. And you would win the division, you would be the. Well, actually, well, I don't know. It depends now how everything goes, but you would think that you'd be the two seed better than the Twins, right? And then you'd play the winner of that Twins final wild card team uh, series. So those are the two spots. The the main goal for anyone is to avoid Tampa and Baltimore, which is what would happen. You or or vice versa, if Tampa somehow wins that division, you would you would play both those teams back to back potentially. Uh, I think the real Real, you would want to avoid playing Baltimore in the DS. Uh, you would want to play either Minnesota or or someone else. Uh, but at the end of the day, Zion, and I think you'll agree, Rangers fans and the Rangers in general do not care. They just want to be invited to the party. Yeah, I don't care how bad the Rangers do for the rest of this season. If they make the playoffs, that just would mean a lot because it's been seven years and we've watched this whole season and it's been so much fun to watch and I don't want it to end in a season where they missed the postseason again where they came so close I want them to make the postseason and I think yeah I agree with Seth that those spots are desirable obviously any matchup's going to be tough but you know ideally if you had 
the Astros and the Rays play each other in the wild card that knocks one of them out. You don't really want to see either one of those teams, and so if they can knock each other out, that'd be great. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you, a month ago the Rangers, you know, Rangers fans were thinking ALCS. That's very expectations realistic. have expectations change as the season goes along. Just as like a, a lot of people uh, were hoping World Series win back in uh, June. Now it's you know we've changed our expectations again to all right let's fight this uh, yeah. fight it out fight to the better end uh, hang on buckle in and let's just try and be invited to the party yeah and if they can do that that's great and I I think there's certainly room to turn this thing around and you know if they don't I mean hey it is what it is you celebrate the highs of the season this was this is by far the best season the Rangers have had in a long time and I've had so much fun watching it and I hope. I get to see it in October. Well, folks, we will be right back after a quick break here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. Dad, we need to talk. <sighs> Can we just enjoy the drive? If you're not going to listen to me, who will we listen to? Jeffrey. <laughs> Marcia Gay Harden, what, what? Eyes on the road, Dad. What, 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 what are you doing? What, what are you, what are you, what are you doing in my back seat? How did you get in here? You're getting older. Not that old. Your brain's changing. It's natural. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Honey, I've got experience with this. Jeffrey, brain health is all about making the most of your brain as you age and helping to reduce some of the risks to your brain. Really? Now that's interesting. So, you'll talk to her about this, but not me. Marcia Gay Harden? Where did she go? Learn what you can do to help keep your brain healthy at brainhealth.gov. Did she? Did, oh, she didn't say goodbye. I mean, I would visit brainhealth.gov. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell right here with Ian Napishan and Seth Dowdle. This is our final segment of the night. We will just talk about something fun, like a personal segment. That's what we're calling it. Just a fun personal segment, some fun stories we got here. So, Ian, why don't you start us off? What, what do you got for us? What would you bring to the table today? So I guess my, my little fun story of the week that we've had, you know, that, that, that we've just, you know, indulged ourselves in is, so on Tuesday, Zion and myself, um, we were able to go to the TCU football press conference, um, talk to Sonny Dykes and some of the other players, Johnny Hodges, Imani Bailey, and last but not least, um, excuse me, Rick DeBrew, sorry, that name just like escaped my, 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 my mind for a second, but Rick DeBrew. He was someone that kind of came out of the gates a little bit in that Colorado game, got in the mix uh, in the backfield. Um, I'm not sure if they actually said that he recorded half a sack, but he was in the mix for when Johnny Hodges got to Shadur Sanders. He was pumped up. I know we all saw him there um, from the stands, but a little story about him. I mean, he's, he's such a character. seems like such a sweet, relaxed, funny guy. Um, I know, Zion, you can attest to that from the press conference, but he's just someone that brought in a bit of a cool little fun energy um especially in a press conference that was pretty serious and stern feeling after such a loss but i want to talk about something that rick said and um one of the questions to rick was about barbecue and where texas barbecue ranks and 
Rick DeBrew is originally from Virginia, and um, he had also spent time in East Carolina playing football there before coming to TCU, and this is what he had to say about where Texas barbecue ranks. I went to like two or three little barbecue. When I first got here, I went to a barbecue spot. That was pretty good. I've been to one that just wasn't too good, I'm not going to lie to you, over here. But East Carolina, you know, they they, they throw around. You know, I don't don't sleep on East Carolina. They got some good barbecue. Virginia is kind of like dead at the bottom. You know, that's my state, but you know, they're at the bottom of that list. So I'm I'm curious to hear where he's gone to barbecue firstly, but also where in Texas he went and it was bad. I'm curious because I don't want to go there, but I'm also just curious to hear his food takes and reviews. Yeah, because Texas barbecue. Every time I've experienced it, it is absolutely elite. Ian, we go to Himes. Oh, mm. Yeah, it's so good there. Oh, my gosh. It, it's incredible. So I'm curious to see, yeah, where he went. I, every experience I've had with Texas barbecue, it's so good. But, yeah, shout out to Rick DeBrew. We'll have to do some investigating, yes. reporting on that, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. It, I feel like it would be fun to go to barbecue with Mr. Rick DeBrew. Yeah. I mean, he's, he just seems like a guy that could eat all of my plates of food. Yeah, and he actually saw our video that we posted on the on our Instagram, and he reposted it on his story. He even followed me on Instagram, so shout out to Rick DeBrew. We are the Rick DeBrew fan club. Yeah, and um, continuing with Rick DeBrew, he said something else in the press conference that got us all excited. He weighed in on whether beef or pork was the superior choice of meat for a barbecue. Um, I would say I would say beef. I like hamburgers. I like steaks, you know. Um, pork, pork chops are cool, you know. I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of pork chops. I, I, why did I just say that? I think, I think that pork chops are pretty good. Yeah. But I, I'm more like a hamburger guy, you know. Give me a hamburger, give me a steak. Rick's a happy guy. Rick's a happy guy when you give him a hamburger and a steak. I like that. I, I, love I agree. I agree with that, Rick. I love how he said, why did I even say that? I, that, that part genuinely reminded me of the Quinn and Williams scene yeah. where he, he sneezes, says, bless you, thank you, to himself. He, yeah. the, the, the mid-sentence correcting yourself is just one of those top moments for anybody. But yeah, Rick DeBrew, awesome guy, seems awesome. This is the first time we, we, we got a chance to talk to him. It seems like a really good guy, works hard in practice, and... Obviously, he seems like he's got some pretty good takes when it comes to barbecue. Yeah, Seth, so you've lived in Texas longer than us. What is your experience? Obviously, it's I'm assuming it's been positive with Texas barbecue. Like, you got it some has. go-to spots? It has been positive. I'm going to be honest. I'm not like, I don't go and eat barbecue a lot, but every time I do, I have a good time. Uh, Haim is pretty good in this area. I'd say that's probably my top spot in the Fort Worth area. Uh, but there's there's definitely a lot of good spots. My my favorite kind of spots are places that are kind of, you know, hole-in-the-wall barbecue places that uh, it's not never Dickie's Barbecue and stuff like that, but it's always those kind of places. There's some there's some stops out in, like, the rural kind of countryside east uh, east of Dallas. Like, it's just you, you're off the side of the highway, and there's just a little, little, like, it's not even a food truck. It's just a little stand, and they're out there making some of the most delicious stuff you've ever seen. So I, I've, I've had a very positive experience with, with Texas barbecue. That's for sure. I agree with Rick and everything that he said there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, Seth, what what did you bring 
to the table for your fun part of the segment. Hold on, let me get it on my bag real fast. Uh, just kidding. beef and hamburgers. <laughs> that yeah, would have been, been that would have been awesome. Well, please. as both of y'all know, I was not uh, at the TCU Colorado game this weekend. Uh, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, watching Arkansas play Western Carolina at War Memorial Stadium. Woo woo. Woo pig suey indeed. And we were woo pig suing a lot. Arkansas laid it on the uh, Western Carolina catamounts. Well, we I arrive in Little Rock uh, around 8.45 p.m. on Friday night. And the game is the next uh, is at noon the next day. So we're checking into our hotel. Well, first of all, we park in the we park and then we're checking into the hotel and we walk in and there's a logo on the on the uh, on the door. And we're like, well, that's not the logo of the hotel. And we're like, why is that there? Kind of look like a sports team logo. Okay. So we walk in, and there's just hordes of people in the lobby wearing purple shirts. All right? They're wearing purple shirts, and a lot of them, you know, they either look like, they kind of look like parents, some older people, and some younger people that look pretty fit uh, or could or could play on an offensive line or a D-line. And so I'm like, all right. Do y'all kind of see where I'm going here with this, perhaps? No, honestly, uh, honestly no. You don't? Okay. <laughs> but I'm excited. Well, we walk in and I'm like, "What is going on? Why are all these people here?" And they're wearing purple too. We're in Hogs Country right now. We're in purple. Well, we later find out, and pretty soon after, that this is the visiting team hotel. We are amidst Western Carolina right now. Oh man, Western Carolina is here. They are in the same hotel as us. So we're kind of walking around, and we're like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And I, I'm walking around, and I'm like, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of West, a lot more Western Carolina folks than I would have, you know, that, that are like non-football players. Like, they don't look like coaches either. They look like either parents or like boosters or like ad- administration kind of type people. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot of people. So I'm kind of expecting when we get to the game, a kind of a, 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 not like a large contingent of Western Carolina people, but a fairly sizable contingent of Western Carolina people. So we're walking, we get to the game the next day, and we're walking kind of through uh, the tailgate area, which was popping, by the way. Tailgates, uh, the tailgate scene in, in front of War Memorial Stadium uh, was popping. I'm convinced that there was more people tailgating than actually showed up to, to the football game. That's awesome. Uh, but we get there. And we, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm, first of all, I'm kind of joking around. I'm like, we're trying to find the people that we saw in the lobby. And when I tell you that there were probably less than ten people from Western Carolina in the stands, there were less than ten people from Western Carolina. So where were they? I don't know what where they happened. Went. I don't know where they went. They that they get that the Uber was late to the hotel from the hotel. I have no idea. But the Western Carolina catamounts, while they were very, there was a lot of them at breakfast. A lot of them did not show up to War Memorial Stadium. And it was kind of sad. Maybe they enjoyed their breakfast in the hotel and just watch it, watch the game from home. Which hotel was it, by the way? I'm just curious. It was curious. an NBC, Embassy Suites. Oh, okay, no, okay. I thought I, I was just curious to see if it was the same one I was. Another at. thing that was kind of funny. <laughs> well, another thing that was kind of funny about that was we we were like waiting, we were waiting to get breakfast, and it was like 6 a.m. in the morning. And you remember, this is the Western Carolina Hotel. Everyone from Western Carolina is there. And there's a bunch of people in the lobby at 6 in the morning going, Woo, pig, suey. It loud enough to wake me up at 6 in the morning. And I was like, what is happening right now? Why is this contingent of Arkansas fans taking it upon themselves to wake up the Western Carolina people? It was it was fun. It was a fun time, though. Interesting. I, I, I feel like arkansas fans do that like when they wake up when they go to bed like that's just they do that everywhere they go Woo pig suey 
no offense, especially Seth. in Walmart. In Walmart, <laughs> no offense, Seth, but that, it really got on my nerves when TC was playing Arkansas at Globe Life and during the uh, college playoff college showdown. Yeah, it was just it, it's a lot. Like they do I it. Can teach every, you how to do it if y'all want me to. I, I'll pass. Okay. Honestly, I, I'll really next just, time. I'll really just pass. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think they could be. At a funeral, and they're honoring someone. And that's what the guy wants. That's the, that's yeah, what the dead like, person wants. Yeah, it's like my goodness. Um, anyways, that's that's an interesting experience there. Seth. It's the first time I've ever like, you know, been in that kind of situation. Yeah, no, and for I'm sure. like, we're all wearing Arkansas shirts. So you're just so like, we're, we're sticking out like a sore thumb <laughs> yes, here. Yes, we are. Oh my gosh! And we thought we would be the ones fitting in with the shirts on, right? No, no. Well, at least you saw a team winning win on Saturday. We did. Yeah. All right, Zion, how about you, man? Okay, so over the weekend, I watched, or I guess, yeah, I watched a podcast. Uh, this girl named Bobby Althoff. Althoff? <laughs> I already know okay. where this is going. Yeah, uh, you do? Yes, I, I okay, do. well, so I watched, she's kind of new to the podcasting game, but she's had like, she's had Drake. Uh, I think she had Ty Dolla Sign on there. Like, you had Lil Yachty on there. Lil Yachty, yeah, the, you know. Mark Cuban. That's what I watched was the one with Mark Cuban it, because I'm a Mavericks fan and I'm always curious what Mark Cuban has to say just as a business, you know, as a business guy and also as, you know, on the Mavericks side of things. And uh, today, you know, I did also watch Luka Doncic absolutely embarrassed Dwight Powell and when they played can he had like a step back three on him. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um yeah, so I'm always interested to see what Mark Cuban has to say. And it took me back to 2017 when my family and I, we went to Disneyland in L.A. And it was towards the end of the day. And we, you know, we're kind of tired. I'm I'm just exhausted. You know, if, if y'all have been to Disneyland, it's a lot of steps. You're walking a lot. Like it, it hot, right? Yeah, San, it was hot. It was, during the, it was during the summer. Yeah, so it it gets hot in in, in Disneyland. So we're there, and you know we're just kind of chilling on the curb on Main Street, and my mom says, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh," and I'm like, "What, mom? Like what?" And she's like, and I look up, and Mark Cuban is just chilling there. There's not any, there's no security. She's just, he's just talking to an employee or a cast member as they call him. And, and, and there's no people surrounding him. He's just wearing a Mavericks tank top and shorts. It was unbelievable. My jaw was on the floor. I was like, okay, that's Mark Cuban. And so my brother and I went up to him and like, we're big Mavs fans. He's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. I really hope you are. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't think he believed that we were like Mavericks fans, but because um, then he asked where we were from, and I'm like, I'm from the Bay Area. He's like, then why are you a Mavs fan? I was like, well, my dad grew up in Dallas, and you know, he grew up a Mavericks fan, and he's like, well, props to your dad. And so that was really cool. And then we asked him about Dennis Smith Jr., who's the rookie at the time, and then I think he knew. It was like, okay. These guys are probably Mavs fans. Why are they asking about Dennis Smith Jr. and what my thoughts are on him? So we took a selfie with him too. I'm sure we might put that picture up on the on the YouTube or something. I don't know, but it was just really cool. It made me think back to that of that you know time I met Mark Cuban and I like we tried to take a selfie and like 
my hand was like shaking because I was I can't do this. And he's like, here, let me do it. And so he took a picture. <laughs> totally down to earth guy, like such a cool dude. It was honestly, it was a really cool experience and one that I will never forget. And every time I see Mark Cuban in anything, it makes me think back to that. Yeah. So. No, that that sounds like an awesome experience. I mean, seeing anyone, anybody famous is fun, but l- let alone your your team's owner, right? I mean, yeah. that, that that's pretty special. So no, that's... Well, folks, I mean, that, that that sounds like a great place to just round off the episode. If, if you're at home, on the road, listening to us tonight here on Riff Ram Review, thank you so much for the support. Make sure to go hit us up on our social media platform. That's going to be Instagram, X, and TikTok, all at Riff Ram Review. That's Instagram, X, and TikTok, at Riff Ram Review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Riff Ram Review. And we'll be back here on KTC on 88.7 The Choice next Wednesday, live from 6 to 8 p.m. For Zion Channel, Seth Dowdle, my name is Ian Apijan, and we'll see you guys next week.